from the HBP Studios. You're listening to the 78th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. HBP, I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we play baseball with an English accent, roll our eyes at ESPN's obsession with the New York Yankees, try on the Milwaukee Brewers City Connect jersey while grilling, and special guest Darren from Cream City Prospects talks with us about the future stars of the Milwaukee Brewers. But we start off every podcast promoting good local American jobs, specifically ones that include alcohol. Because this week, I'm drinking a beer called English Session Ale from Guilford Hall Brewery in Baltimore, Maryland. I love the name Guilford Hall Brewery because it reminds me, it's like very English, Guilford Hall. And there's actually a Guilford baseball and softball club in, drumroll, Guilford, England, which is about an hour's drive southeast of London. Guilford baseball, the, the Guilford baseball club and softball club has three teams and they all play in the British Baseball Federation, the BBF. And the interesting thing about this, because normally we always associate England sporting wise with football, soccer, or rugby. But there actually is a baseball league, like I just told you. And the Hall of Fame relief pitcher, Trevor Hoffman, who played with the San Diego Padres, the Florida Marlins, Trevor Hoffman's mother is English. So by that association, Trevor Hoffman was the bullpen coach for Great Britain during the 2017 World Baseball Classic. Unfortunately, Great Britain lost in the qualifying round to Israel, so they didn't make it all the way to the tournament in 2017. But speaking of the World Baseball Classic, it's going to get played again in 2023, and I I can't wait. I definitely am going to make it a point to attend some World Baseball Classic games. Those of you who may not know, the United States is actually the defending champion. It's kind of like the World Cup where they play it every four years, and it was supposed to be played in 2021, but it was canceled because of COVID-19, of course. So it's been pushed back, and the World Baseball Classic qualifications are starting now, not now, but in the fall, in September 2022, and the tournament is going to be played in 2023 before the start of Major League Baseball season. I remember watching the games on television when I was at home of the Marlins Stadium games that had Group C back in 2017, and Group C was composed of the Dominican Republic and their absolutely disgusting roster of just stars after stars of hitters. You are, We all know all the best baseball players come from the Dominican Republic. In Group C, there was also the United States, Colombia, and Canada. The atmosphere was insane, especially for the Colombian and the Dominican Republic teams. It was something that you, had, you never, ever see in Major League Baseball. So I'm definitely going to be talking about that in the future. But look, it's 2022, and here I am talking about a tournament that took place in 2017. We're going to stop living in the past, but talking about the past, just like you've blocked your ex on all social media, you can do the same with us. Feel free to block us on Twitter. The account handle is at HBP4040, and our Instagram account, Hipster Baseball Podcast. I want to talk about ESPN's crazy obsession with the New York Yankees. I normally go off on ESPN for being nothing but a bunch of hustlers for the New York Yankees. ESPN always makes sure that the Yankees playoff games are in prime time. 
God forbid the Yankees play at 1 o'clock in the afternoon during the playoffs. ESPN always shows the Yankees season opener on national television, of course, on ESPN. By the way, I mentioned this back in episode 68. Do you know when the last time the Yankees played their opening day series on the road? I'm going to give you two seconds. Never. I looked it up. I looked up on Baseball Reference and a bunch of other websites. The New York Yankees have never opened a season on the road. Ever. I'm going to take a drink. I'm going to give them a cheers to that for just being so ballsy. and Like, we're the Yankees. We don't go on the road. <laughs> Hold on. And the beautiful thing is that on the 24th of June, just a few days ago, Bradford Doolittle of ESPN.com, he wrote an article titled, Can anyone score on the Yankees? Why this may be their toughest team, dot, 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 ever. The very next day on the 25th of June, the Houston Astros no-hit the New York Yankees. <laughs> In New York, by the way. <laughs> Forget about the Yankees not not allowing anyone to score. They didn't. The Yankees didn't score or get a hit. You love to see it. But wait. On Sunday, the 26th of June, the very next day, the Yankees were almost no hit again. The Yankees went hitless into the seventh inning. And the Yankees finally got a hit after being no hit for a combined 16 and a third inning innings the american league front runner for most valuable player aaron judge he actually won the game with a walk-off home run and the yankees survived the houston astros six to three that made me think is this an espn curse i really have nothing against the yankees my issue is that espn and the rest of the major sports media are always shoving any and all the yankees news down our throats they document everything coming out of the Bronx with bated breath, like everyone cares in St. Louis about the New York about Aaron Judge's contract dispute with the Yankees front office. They report everything like someone in Dallas cares that Yankees pitcher Nestor Cortez is having a breakout season. Nobody cares about this news but people in the Bronx or Yankees fans. And look, there's a lot of good news coming out of the Bronx with the Yankees. They're in first place in the American League East Division, the best division in baseball. They have 53 wins. They've only lost 20 times. They have the best run differential in the entire league. There's talk that the New York Yankees catcher Jose Trevino should be named to the All-Star next month, to the All-Star game next month, excuse me. He's hitting 270. His on-base percentage is 323. He has six home runs. Aaron Judge, as I said, he's the probable front runner for the American League Most Valuable Player Award. He's hitting 295 and 27 home runs in almost the end of June, which is absolutely insane. The biggest Yelp review last week was that the celebrity chef Bobby Flay opened a Bobby's Burger at the 100 section of, the, of Yankee Stadium, which is where the fancy rich people sit if you haven't been to Yankee Stadium. Apparently, manager Aaron Boone stubbed his toe walking out of his house and his left pinky toe is listed as day-to-day. -day. In other breaking news, the Yankees team bus driver called in sick on Wednesday, which is the first road trip he's missed in seven years. Nobody cares. By the way, most of the stuff I just said is facetious and it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. I'm sorry. For a second there, I thought I was working for ESPN, so I had to tell you about people's toes and people calling in sick.
But Yankee fans will be flocking to this week's show sponsor for their summer outfits. Merry-go-round. Fashion boutiques for men and women. Over 200 stores coast to coast. Today's fashion forecast, sunny and hot at the merry-go-round. Buy one and get the second item at half price only at your local merry-go-round. Cheers to merry-go-round because they allow this podcast to go on and make fun of ESPN. I just had a drink. And you know what? I'm going to have another one. Because I'm bringing back the weekly segment of Styling and Profiling with Ric Flair. Fashion and sports. I'm talking about the Milwaukee Brewers Nike City Connect uniform. Come on down, Milwaukee Brewers. They debuted their uniform yesterday on the 25th of June versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Let me guess. You hate the uniform. I'm going to go ahead and skip the next five minutes of the podcast. All right, the peanut gallery needs to pipe down because you know what? I like the uniform. It's powder blue, which is one of my favorite colors. And apparently the powder blue is a nod to the Milwaukee summer sky. Nike also said that they wanted people to imagine as if if they were looking at Lake Michigan in the sun because that's the ideal Milwaukee summer day. I'm thinking, why doesn't Nike go ahead and just sell healing stones with a jersey too? (laughs) The yellow is supposed to invoke invoke warmth, liveliness, and the joys of summer in Milwaukee. The navy color is supposed to symbolize Lake Michigan because apparently the the Brewer City Connect colors of the uniform is a tribute to the people's flag of Milwaukee. Because in the people's flag of Milwaukee, it represents the city's three rivers, the Milwaukee River, the Menominee River. I totally messed that up, sorry. And the Kinnikinnikik River, also completely butchered. I'm sorry. <laughs> and there's also represents the three towns of Milwaukee, Juneau Town, Kilbourne Town, Walker's Point. And, of course, gold represents the brewing history of Milwaukee, which I love. And white represents peace, man. Again, remember to wear your healing stones when you wear your Nike City Connect jersey from the Milwaukee Brewers. I also like that the powder blue, the color powder blue, is harkens back to the Brewers' original jersey when they joined the American League back in 1969 because the Brewers also used that type of color scheme in the 1980s when the Brewers legends like Robin Yout and Paul Molitor wore it in the 1980s, one of the greatest decades of the past 100 years. So what do the uniforms look like? Again, powder blue and across the chest of the jersey is Brew Crew. And the font that they use is uh, homage to the industrial heritage of Milwaukee when there were good American jobs in the upper Midwest. And on the back, the players' names are in dark blue. And the numbers of the players is... There's a gold trim around them. Very nice. On the right sleeve, there's a grill. I love it. It's an homage to the Milwaukee tailgating scene. And I'll get to that in a minute. Both of the sleeves have yellow and white piping because it supposedly represents beer. It re- it represents a beer's foam head. <laughs> Again, because there's it's such a rich tradition of brewing in Milwaukee. I love it. And on the left on the left sleeve of the jersey is the normal Brewers logo, which is a baseball and a glove. The hat has MKE 
in a bold type right in front of it because that's the abbreviation of the Milwaukee Airport. And what's kind of cool is that basically on the backside of MKE, which I don't really know how to say, maybe it's like the foreground or I don't know, is the numbers 414, which is the area code of Milwaukee. You got to check that out. You got to have to go on your internet machine and see the Milwaukee MKE hat with 414 in the back. But the hat doesn't have anything on either the left or the right side. And I think that's like a missed opportunity, missed space to continue to pay homage to Milwaukee, to the players, to the teams, whoever. The pants are all white and they also have white and yellow trim. So right now the Brewers are scheduled to wear these uniforms for at least 10 games this season. And most of them will be on Friday nights or during community nights. And you know what? The Brewers are probably going to wear the City Connect jersey during the playoffs because right now they're in first place in the National League Central Division. They have 43 wins, 33 losses. They're a game up from the St. Louis Cardinals. But let me tell you, here's a few things I don't like about that uniform. Like I said, the hat, completely empty space on the left and the right. They could have done something to honor the great Hall of Famer Hank Aaron. To be fair, Hank Aaron made his name playing for the Milwaukee Braves, who are now the Atlanta Braves, and they moved to Atlanta in 1966. But the reality is that Hank Aaron had his best years in Milwaukee when he helped Milwaukee when he helped the Milwaukee Braves win the 1957 World Series over the New York Yankees. And on top of that, Hank Aaron came back from Atlanta to Milwaukee to play his last two seasons in front of the fans that loved him with the Milwaukee Brewers in 1975 and 1976. And you know what? Those Milwaukee Braves of the late 1950s should have won back-to-back World Series titles because in 1958, they had a three games to one lead in the World Series versus the New York Yankees, but they ended up losing. So therefore, the Milwaukee Braves only have one World Series when in reality they should have had back-to-back ones. And earlier this year, Before the season started, because I was getting excited that baseball season was starting again, I actually read a book called Bushville Wins, The Wild Saga of the 1957 Milwaukee Braves and the Screwballs, Sluggers, and Beer Swiggers who canned the New York Yankees and changed baseball. And it was written by John Klima. The book chronicles the 1957 championship team, the love the city of Milwaukee had for the Braves, And actually, those original Milwaukee Braves fans were the ones who started tailgating in baseball. And that's what's being honored on the right sleeve of the Milwaukee Brewers, the grill patch. I love it. Check out the book. It has a little too much vulgarity for my taste, but it's still a good book. Definitely check it out. If you're a Milwaukee fan, if you're a Braves fan, if you're a fan of baseball in the 50s, check out Bushville Wins by John Klima. So overall, there's been... 13 City Connect uniforms that have been unveiled since last season. And in my humble opinion, the Bre- the Bre- the Bre- the Brewers City Connect jersey is in the top half in no particular order. It's going they're they're right in the same circle as the Chicago White Sox, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Kansas City Royals, and the Houston Astros. So that always makes me think, who's going to wear the Brewers City Connect uniform in the future? That's where this week's special guest will help us find out. This week's special guest is Darren. He runs Cream City Prospects on Twitter. 
and he focuses not so much on the Milwaukee Brewers, but on the Milwaukee Brewers minor league system. Darren, welcome to HVP. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So my first question is, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. I also really like the Tampa Bay Rays. But for anyone who's a big baseball fan, it's hard enough for us to keep track of 162 games for the major leagues. But when I think of someone like you or the other platforms that focus solely on the minor league, how in the world are you able to grapple? I think I saw that the Brewers have, I think, eight minor league teams from the Dominican Summer League all the way up to the AAA Nashville Sounds. How do you keep a grip on all that? Yeah, well, it's one of those things that's just kind of been a passion over the years, and and it's not not easy. I will say, ML MILB TV has made it a lot easier to to follow and to to see some of these prospects and come kind of come to life in terms of um, being able to look at more than a box score, and so that's really been a nice nice change over the last several years. But one of those things where you have an idea going into a season who some of the prospects are you'd like to follow sort of narratives of, of their development and, and things to look for. But personally, I, I also like just flipping on and watching a game and kind of being surprised by maybe somebody I didn't know too much about. In terms of finding time to do it, I'll admit uh, when I started, I had less obligations when it comes to um, having kids and, and things like that. And so it certainly has become more of a challenge as, as the years go by. But I'm lucky in the Brewers community, there's actually folks that are far smarter than me that also really highlight and put out some great content on on Brewers prospects. So there's a little bit of element of being able to kind of consume their content as well. And and really, it's it's a neat little kind of niche, I guess, of of Brewers fandom to be able to have your arms around what's kind of next on the horizon for the team. And I want to tell the listeners that Darren's a real deal. He's actually wearing a Nashville Sound hat, which is the AAA team of the Milwaukee Brewers. Why 17-year-old kids, 20-year-old kids that, for most part, statistically speaking, they don't amount to much baseball-wise. I'm not talking about them personality, but it, there's just it's such a competitive organ. It's just a competitive field. Uh, what? Yeah. So, what drew you to just focusing on the the minor leagues? Well, admittedly, uh, growing up a, a Brewers fan at the the era I did. There was a lot of lean years, and and quite honestly, it it sort of kind of grew out of just wanting to know what was next, almost wanting to hold on to that hope of of the future because there were some pretty pretty rough major league products along the way. Um, and so, honestly, I and as far back as I can remember, even as a very young kid, I got I remember seeing Gary Sheffield play um, as one of my first Brewer games. As a, as a very young kid. And, and it wasn't lost on me. I don't know if it credit to my parents for kind of telling me, explaining to me, like, here's, here's a guy just breaking in, getting his first taste of major league baseball. And, and to me, that just, it resonated in the fact of like, here's somebody living out their dream for the first time. And so I think even from an early age, you know, just following guys in that pursuit of that dream and, and wanting to know from the Brewers perspective, what, might be next. And certainly, as, as I think we all know, you, you, you see a lot of guys who maybe fall a little bit short. But I think as, as I grew older, I started to be more interested in, in some of those individuals as people too, and understanding kind of their motivations and rooting for them. And quite honestly, it, it just kind of naturally progressed from there. But there was a wave when I really started following prospects was probably closer to the mid 2000s. And at that time, 
the brewers did start to add some pretty impressive names to their farm system and, and Prince Fielder and obviously Ryan Braun, but even beyond that, Corey Hart and Ricky Weeks and, and Giovanni Gallardo. And, um, you know, it was an exciting time because that really was for an organization at that time that had gone with such a long playoff drought, just making the playoffs was such a milestone. And so to kind of see and, and be able to project out that like this might become a reality with all of these these young players that project to be, you know, solid or better major league uh, regulars. It, it was really an exciting time. And, and from there I was kind of hooked and just being totally honest too, it, it started out as brewers prospects, but um, it really, my, my passion for it grew even beyond just the brewer system. Um, I was lucky enough again, prior to kids and some other obligations, I was lucky to get to go to quite a few like Beloit snappers games are what was formerly low a now high a, um, and got to see prospects like Miguel Sano uh, and and some of his counterparts come come up, you know, at an early age a decade ago. And so that helped kind of fuel um, that ex- excitement to see these guys and then track guys like that as well that you get to see at the minor league level. So long winded answer, but but, you know, that's really what got me into it. That's a really good point you said about when when the team when your favorite team is bad you're you always have hope on the future the future never lets you down because it can be whatever you construct it to be in your mind and it reminds me the braves what back in like 2014 2015 2016 they were some lean years and everyone the podcast and the and the the online community was always focusing on the minor league there's like oh there's this young kid named ronald Acuna jr he's tearing up the minor leagues ozzy albies dansby swanson so i completely understand what you're saying of when the when the major league team is bad you're like give me hope and the minor leagues are that right now the brewers i think have i think they have the best starting pitching staff in the majors and they're they were leading the national league central division now i think they're either tied or just a few games behind the st louis cardinals who do you think who who do you think is going to be pulling on the milwaukee brewers jersey in the next year or two what prospects do you and the brewers community have their eyes on from the pitching side which being totally honest about it, like the the pitching side has not been an issue of late. The Brewers have really done an impressive job developing young arms. And, and that's that's been exciting because that's been something that maybe a decade ago the organization lacked and could have sorely used. So so that's been exciting. And from that end of it, obviously, we've seen Aaron Ashby make his debut um, somewhat successfully, maybe a little bit of bad luck along the way, but has been overall fairly impressive. Um, but next kind of in line there is Ethan Small, a uh, uh, left-handed pitcher out of Mississippi State that's been kind of progressing throughout the system. And he's really, if, if I had to pick a quintessential like Brewers pitching prospect right now, it really would be Ethan Small because he lives off deception. He lives off uh, varying up his, his delivery. Um, he doesn't throw real hard, but he, he attacks hitters in a way that it has been successful for him at every level he's been at to this point. And so I, he got a little taste. He did get a start against the Cubs um, a few weeks back, but uh, at some point he'll be more of a, a full-fledged member of their pitching staff. And I think folks will be really excited to see him. Um, on the hitting side in the near future, I think everyone's got their eye on, on Joey Weimer, a 2020 draft pick out of Cincinnati. Actually, uh, obviously, the year which, where there were only five rounds to the draft, he was drafted um, a little bit later. He wasn't their first or second round pick, but he's really progressed into an impressive bat. He's now got Sports Center highlights of his 
his uh, home run robbing catches at the wall. He's got a very impressive arm um, to go with just light tower power. So I do think he's one that a lot of Brewer fans are pretty excited, especially at a time where the Brewers haven't really had a recent hitting success to kind of pin pin their hat on and say, you know, we talked about the pitching, but the hitting is kind of been the opposite um, in recent years in terms of development. So I think uh, Brewers fans will be watching very closely as, as some of these hitters do reach the majors. I, I do want to mention Ethan Small, the pitcher you mentioned, who's with the AAA sound, sounds. As you mentioned, he's from Mississippi State, which is an SEC school, college baseball. And for those of you that don't know, the SEC is the best. Pac-10 can argue a little bit, but the SEC is the best college baseball competition there is in uh, beyond professionals. And those guys are almost professional ready. One of the first people I think of is Jack Leiter, even though he's not part of the Brewers, but he was with Vanderbilt and the guy's already in double A. I think maybe he got promoted triple A. I'm not sure. But yeah, so when I when I hear a pitcher coming from the SEC, they're like, this guy should be ready uh, very soon. They're almost uh, just plug and play almost. Yeah, it's amazing. When you play in a league at that level, as you mentioned, you're you're playing against the the top competition week in and week out. And so it is always interesting to see that transition as they go into the professional baseball and, and how that does translate. And a lot of them certainly hit the ground running once, once they do enter pro ball. Another, another guy that I've been hearing about and also reading about is Jackson Churillo, who he's in single A, by the way, people, I don't, what is he like 19 years old or something? Yeah. And 18. So what is so great about this guy who's 18 years old in, in a, he's still three levels below major. Tell me more about Jackson Churillo. Yeah, he, he's been exciting, especially, again, for an organization that has been been desiring some offensive uh, prospects to get excited about. And so the, the thing that I think makes him exciting, one is obviously the age. He's, he's 18 years old and, and three months. Originally, I believe he was projected to, to play in complex league, to have extended spring training, then play in complex league in Arizona, the Brewers complex league team is in Arizona. And I, I think that was the initial plan, but from everything we heard, uh, the rumblings were that he was just so impressive that he basically hit, hit his way to the next level. They decided for an organization that quite honest, that isn't overly aggressive at times with some of their prospects, it was certainly an aggressive assignment. And so that I think just raised some eyebrows to start. And then He's done nothing but hit since he's got there. Uh, I have tried to watch as many of his bats as, as I can. I mean, it's must-see TV at this point. Um, the thing that I would tell people that stands out is just the how hard he hits the ball. For, for someone 18 years old, he is hitting line drives at a rate that is far beyond his peers. And he, he just hits the ball hard to all fields as well. Um, there is a little swing and miss, but like he, again, he's an 18-year-old playing profe- professional full-season baseball, so you're going to have a little bit of that. But he he's very impressive. Doesn't seem doesn't seem like the moment's too big for him. He's always playing competitive at bats, even even in some of those strikeouts. Some of those at bats are impressive, and so um, he's been fun to watch. The one thing I will say uh, is he's got a group around him though of teenage hitters in Carolina. Um, I was looking at it the other day. So there's basically 23 hitters in Carolina right now that are teenagers. 
and six of them are on the Brewers Carolina roster. So basically more than a fourth of the teenagers playing regular regularly with that are qualified batters in, in the Carolina league are playing for the Brewer system. And it's, it's all around, but it's been fun. It's been fun to watch um, them all kind of have some success together. They fell just short in the first half here um, for the first half championship of the league. But um, it's been, it's been really neat to just see this wave of young hitters kind of come through together and, and, We'll see. I, I think Jackson may progress a little quicker than some of the rest of them, but it, it's certainly going to be fun to watch uh, over the next couple of years. I do. You keep, you've mentioned a few times MILBT.TV, and this is not a plug. This is just letting everyone know for those of us who may want to sneak a peek into the future of our baseball team. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, MILB.TV gives, they don't give, they allow, they give one free game uh, a week or a night I forget I don't know what it is yeah. so so there are there are um yes they do they do offer some free games and quite honestly even the the package the monthly cost and you can also do it on a season basis it's far lower than their major league uh counterpart package the, the thing I like about it is if you if you are interested in in prospects, you don't have to watch the games live. They catalog all the games. So you can actually go back and if there's certain hitters you're more interested in than others, you, you can actually just fast forward or, or kind of rewind, find their spot in the order and, and watch specific at bats. Or if there's a pitcher you really want to follow, you can you can go through and kind of watch their half innings throwing the ball. So it doesn't have to be a, you know, necessarily three hour investment of, of watching a game each night. You can really kind of target some of the, some of the folks you'd like to see that see play. I'm Darren. I'm happy I have you on this week because I'm also talking about the, the Nike city connect. I talk about that every week. I'm very big on creative creativity and sports. And I think there's like a big disconnect there, but your brewers fan, you are invested in the organization. What do you think of their, City Connect jerseys that will they're going to be debuting uh, on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, I I have I have mixed feelings on them. I don't. I'm I kind of fall in the middle, which I might be in the minority in that because I feel like people either really really love them or really really dislike them. Um, you know, in terms of my my opinion of them, they're they're fine. I don't actually mind the script. I the Brew Crew part is is a name that's kind of synonymous within. Brewers fandom circles. That's uh, that's what folks have called them. I think they used to actually back uh, years ago have banners in Old County Stadium that said Brew Crew. So it's one of those that it's the first time I think it's officially appearing as a team mark. So I mean, I, I can see that maybe turning some people off as well because it was sort of an organic just phrase that was used. But um, that I, I will say the one thing I have found, even for folks that dislike them, it seems like everyone is into the little grill patch on the sleeve. The the one other thing I, I'll say I can appreciate is when they debut them and they'll be debuting them here um, or this weekend. And they are actually going to have, uh, they, they've always had a Tavern of the Game promotion and they're going to be putting, um, it looks like it's going to be just on one of the corners of the Jersey, they're going to have a tavern name, each game, a different tavern that they're going to sew a patch on for. Um, and, and the tavern culture in Wisconsin is, is uh, pretty strong. And obviously the team is named the Brewers. So I do think that element of it is, is something that's unique. And, and I appreciate them, you know, supporting some of those businesses. 
but in terms of the overall uniform, it's fine. I probably won't be going out to purchase one anytime soon, but yeah, I'm very curious. I have heard your opinion on some of the other city connects. So I, I am, I am curious to hear, hear the next in the line of kind of comparisons on them. Yeah. I, you know, I actually, I actually like this. I like the color. I'm a, I'm a big powder blue color guy mm-hmm. that you do the old San Diego chargers, et cetera. And from what I know, I think the Brewers kind of had a powder blue uniform back in the eighties, I believe. So there's a little bit of harken back to that. I love the grill in the patch because baseball is not known as tailgating, but it is in Wisconsin, which is great. And they they celebrate that it's very organic. But what, one thing I wish they had done is somehow honor Hank Aaron. Granted, Mm -hmm. Hank Aaron was with, he made his name in Milwaukee, but with the Braves. Nevertheless, he went back to play in with for the Milwaukee, the almost expansion league, uh, almost expansion Milwaukee Brewers for like a, a season or two. But, yeah, right. you know, when you think of Hank Aaron, you think of the Braves, but it's really the Milwaukee Braves. So if, I wish they had done something. I don't know what, but something to honor him, even though he was, you know, on his last legs when he was actually with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, I like that. That's a great point. I, I think that that was probably a missed opportunity. That would have been pretty cool. If you're if you're a fan of a team that's years away from contending and need need some kind of a hope. How does one get into this minor league prospect industry? You know, I, I think, and, and for me, it, it sort of kind of spurred out of just a, a passion for it. But I think um, in this day and age, it's, it's a lot easier, not only to follow the prospects, but to really find communities that enjoy discussing them, um, there's a lot of great resources. Obviously, there's some of the, the old standbys that have been around for years um, with base, Baseball American, Baseball Prospectus, but there's a lot of really up and coming groups like Prospects Live. And quite honestly, even within like if you go to within your own team site, you'll find a, or your team communities, your, your fan forums, those kind of things. You'll find a lot of great prospect information that's kind of team centric if if that's more of your your interest overall in the prospects. But um, I think there's just avenues to to get involved if you're interested, you know, writing about them. The thing, the thing that I always have appreciated is there's a lot of a lot of folks from the organization side of it that are willing to share a lot of information, especially now that they kind of understand that this is the whole industry in itself that people really enjoy learning more and following these prospects. I've been really impressed with how some of the the hitting coaches and folks with the teams um, with their organization uh, that focus with the development of the prospects, how much information they've kind of opened up and shared in the last couple of years. And it's, it's fun to see. I think if, if you're interested in it, just find, find a community where you can start to talk to others about it and, and write about it. And, and that's really the, the best kind of, I think, way to go about it. That's, that's a really interesting tidbit you're saying there about the organization, because I'm thinking, I wanted to ask you what tools you use as someone who's in prospect. And you, I think you, you mentioned them of one, I never would have thought that an organization would be open to outsiders or someone who's not affiliated with like the, like the baseball prospect, baseball America, the, the quote unquote established ones. What are the tools do you use besides reaching out to someone in the organization or, or joining a community? I'm yeah, sorry, I, I do want to add, to, I do want to add that some of your work, some of your findings from Twitter have been published in local Milwaukee area newspapers as well. So you're putting out good content. So what tools would someone need to start that beyond just getting, being part of a, of a community? Yeah, I think, I think one is honestly just getting comfortable with 
understanding some of the, the resources in terms of stats or information. So I, I know Fangraphs is a great resource for, for the minor leagues. I will say there's still plenty of progress to be made because um, on, the, on the team side and even, even some of those publications I mentioned previously, there is a lot of data, batted ball data, or um, some of the kind of information we're becoming more familiar with from the stat cast side of things at the major league level. That information is be starting to become available, but there's still sort of a cap on, on the accessibility to it. And so I think that's, that's kind of the next step I would see over the next five years. I think that information will start becoming more public. And, and you saw it happen over the last decade at the major league level where information became a lot more sort of at your fingertips in terms of diving a little deeper than, than the baseline stats we're all used to. And, and I do think in the near future, we'll see that at the, the minor league level as well, which is, is exciting because the more information you have, sort of the, the more it informs how you, you kind of look at, at different prospects and how they're performing. Of all the eight minor league organizations, like we said, from the Dominican Summer League all the way up to the Nashville Sounds, is there any organization, do, are you able to make it out to any of these games in person? Because the Brewers have a team in Wisconsin. I think the double-A team is right. in Wisconsin. The triple-A team is in Nashville, Tennessee. The high eight, or not the high eight, there's no high eight anymore, but the A team, as you said, is in Carolina. That's pretty spread out for a team. And are you able to go in person? And what are your impressions of some of the the, the, the ball clubs or even the, the stadiums? Yeah, so the the team I've been able to follow the closest is by far the the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. They're located in Appleton. They also play games in Beloit um, as the visiting team. And so uh, between those two locations, I, I've been able to to make several of their games throughout the years, and that's that's always a, a treat. I did take a trip a few years ago to Carolina. Got to see them perform firsthand over a weekend, and that was a lot of fun as well. I, I still have Biloxi on the uh, the wish list. Haven't made it there, but certainly plan to at some point as life allows. But that's yeah that that the move for the Appleton team to go from low A to high A was was for selfish reasons kind of nice when the Midwest League went um, transitioned into being um, high league just a, or high A just a little higher level of baseball. And so um, I will say there's a lot of folks here eagerly awaiting. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Jackson Churio, as well as several of those other prospects I kind of mentioned. I think a lot of us are excited to to get to see those, those to see them up close, and and as great as MILB TV is to actually see them in person is going to be a lot of fun. So you talked about Ethan Small, Jackson Churio, and uh, Joey we Weimer, right? We talked that, yeah. That's who, as we mentioned, who's a wild card of they have a tremendous ceiling, but. It's a lot of unknowns. Who's who's a wild card prospect that you're excited about? Yeah, so I, I'm going to give you a couple. Um, the one I'm personally the most excited about is Felix Valerio is a second base only 5'7 prospect in Biloxi. But, but the kid, he can just absolutely hit. Um, he, he makes great contact. He's got power for his size. And I'm really excited to see him progress. I'll, I'll be honest, the the defensive profile is very limited, so that's going to put a lot of pressure on his bat to continue to, to play as he progresses. But um, already at double A at 21 is a good sign. And I think he'll be someone that's going to be fun to watch. The Brewers actually got him 
in a trade with the Mets after he had just had one year in professional ball playing in the Dominican Summer League for the Mets. And, um, and so he was very unheralded. And I, I personally sort of always root for those. I know he's a $10,000 signing um, internationally. And I always root for those guys who sort of start out a little bit unheralded and, and to see them have success is, is a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to him. There is a another um, sort of the U.S. draft version of that is a, a Tristan Peters, who was a seventh round pick, but really out of out of Southern Illinois, but really not much made of it when he when he joined the organization and he's hit really well uh, in high A this year. And so I think he's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, and then just for good measure, I'll, I'll throw in the fact this this one is a little he's um, was a second rounder last year, but Tyler Black is, I think, uh, originally from Canada. He's going to be, he played at Wright State, and he's going to be one that, uh, again, I think his bat is impressive so far. He's he's hit, he's showing great contact ability, and again, the, the Brewers, they sort of need to develop some hitting prospects in the worst way, so I think all eyes will be on on some of these guys as they continue to progress. That name, well, Tristan, what's his name? What's his last name? Peters. Tristan Peters, that's a deep cut. I I don't find him even in the top 30 of <laughs> The uh, the Brewers prospect list, so that's uh, that's impressive. So I'll say he he's come out, he's raked, he's he's played great. But I, I always I always look for the kind of the tea leaves of the guys the coaches are bringing up when they're doing interviews, and I've seen his name mentioned a couple of times from the coaching staffs, and and that's always kind of a good way to gauge how the organization views some of those guys and and how they're progressing. So forward to you know following him and becoming even more familiar with him as he moves along we'll definitely keep an eye out for tristan peterson (laughs) i'm cognizant of your time and i love promoting local local bars local breweries local places to eat if some when someone goes to the milwaukee area to see tristan peterson or ethan small's pitch in a year or two where would you where's where would you guide someone for you, one of your favorite local places to have a drink or a place to go eat in the Milwaukee area. So when it when it comes to uh, when it comes to local places, I'm big on breweries. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of local breweries, and and there's certainly there's plenty to to pick from. Um, there is there is one that's really kind of fun and tied into a baseball theme. Broken Bat Brewing Company has been one that uh, they've gained some notoriety. Obviously, natural tie-in for baseball fans. Um, but they've they've built a little indoor wiffle ball field. They kind of add to the experience beyond, um, you know, getting to try some great beers there. But there's also sort of the the element of being able to enjoy the space there as well. I also I'm I'm um, a little outside of Milwaukee now, but in Madison there's actually another uh, brewery that I personally love called Working Draft Brewery. I want to give them a plug because it's just a great place on a nice day to to sit and enjoy a beverage and they make, working, they make fantastic beer. Working, yeah. Working draft. Working draft. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and um, have a, have one of their pulp cultures right now that I'm not going to enjoy when we, uh, when we end the call here, but um, yeah, that, that's another one that I would uh, highly recommend if, if folks make it to the Wisconsin area. I think the most important question is, will any of these breweries be part of the tavern tavern uniform that the brewers are going to wear on their city connect? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, it's so my understanding is it's going to be taverns from across the state. So it's, it'll be interesting. Uh, I guess 
this weekend we'll start to see what what taverns they're recognizing but sort of excited to see maybe i'll have to start a, a bucket list of, of taverns to visit based on based on uh, what they go with there absolutely i really like that the brewers are doing that and giving a, a bigger platform for locally owned family owned or friend owned breweries or pubs or places to eat uh, obviously small businesses Darren, I want to thank you for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. If you want to take us away, tell us again your Twitter account and also any other place that they can find all of your wonderful work. Yeah, so my my Twitter handle is at Cream City Pro. Try to just make some interesting observations. Like I said, there's so many great folks on Twitter in the prospect sphere, and I just try to kind of throw in a little bit uh, of, of my piece of it, but I really... You know, I enjoy enjoy following um, the folks um, on Twitter in the Brewers area and beyond. But uh, yeah, if anyone anyone wants to give me a follow, please feel free. And I always enjoy kind of engaging with folks through Twitter as well. If they have any questions or if, uh, if there's anything I can help with. I want to thank Darren from Cream City Prospects on Twitter. And I also want to thank new listeners from Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates, Hugled. Belgium. I totally butchered that. I'm sorry. Hugled, Belgium. Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Yopango, El Salvador. Birmingham, England. And here in the good old US of A, De Plains, Illinois. Gilbert's, Illinois. And Orlando, Florida. Thank you all. By the way, don't worry. I have no idea who you are. I only know where you're listening from. Thanks for listening when we talk about baseball drinks, charcoal grills, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. My drink will be in the episode description and on our social media accounts. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.